Refuge, what's up? Woo! I can't tell you how excited I am to be back. Um, we're going to get this mic figured out, but thank you guys for being here. My name is Scott. I'm a student ministries pastor here at Hope, and I haven't met a lot of you guys. Um, it's great to see a bunch of new faces. Uh, if I haven't met you, make sure you stop by the connect table, which is the table all the way down the end of this hallway at the end of service uh, after small groups and stuff. Um, but I'm so glad to be back. It's been six weeks since we've had like a real refuge service, not in a house. So it's good to be back. Um, I'm so excited. How many people have ever purchased anything new in their whole life? It's, pretty, it's a pretty easy question. How many people have purchased like a new CD or video game? Raise your hand. Um, how many people have purchased a new, um, like an iPod or something like that, or any sort of device? Um, okay, how many people have ever purchased a new car, or your parents have ever purchased a new car? Like you go and you like, it's the brand new car, sent, right? Um, we are in our new car right now, okay? Here, here's, here's the thing. Uh, we obviously are in a brand new space, and there's just something weird, at least for me, and maybe I'm crazy, but with a new space, like a brand new thing. Like I, uh, I drove a 97 Ford Ranger for most of my driving life until I was 21, and I bought a Ford Focus, brand new. I don't know why. That's like one of the worst financial mistakes I've ever made. Seriously, my wife's like, amen, brother. I don't know. Like Ford Focus, if you're going to buy one, just stay away. It's not that good of a car. I, brand new car. My, my truck, I beat up quite a bit. I took it in the desert a lot. I did construction, so it was beat up everywhere. But when I got my Focus, I don't know if you've ever experienced this. Like you sit in the seat, and you're like, it's like everything's brand new, right? And like you take the, the seat belt, and it's like, zzz, it's like, oh. And you like buckle it in and it's like, oh, that sounds different. And then like you feel the air and it's like, it's like the same air, but it's like, oh, that feels so good. And then like the, the knobs, everything just feels better and different. And like even the little things, like all of a sudden you're driving 10 and 2 and you've never driven 10 and 2, but on your driver's test, you're like, why am I driving 10 and 2? It's a new car, not like a new person, but you're driving 10 and 2 because you don't want to wreck it. Or maybe it's the video game. Maybe you're like, dude, I'm 15. I don't drive. Um, Maybe you've ever purchased a video game and you finally get that stupid sticker off the top that's like annoying on CDs and video games. And you pop it open and it, you might, it, like, like, it might well be full of solid gold because the way you're handling it, it's like you pop it out like, and you're like, oh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. And you put it in there. But like, like more, Modern Warfare 1, you're just like, playing Frisbee with it. You put it in the Xbox. Who cares? It's scratched. You just take it and rub it against your shirt. But like the new games, right, you're like chilling with it. Like it's like, like the most valuable piece of anything, right? You just think about things differently when you're in something new or you're working with something new, and that's kind of where we're at. Maybe it's just me, but I think it's like everything about tonight is new. Everything. We're in a new space with new lights and a new DJ, which was awesome, by the way. DJ, let's just give it up for DJ Meech. But when you have something new, it just makes you think about things you don't normally think about. I think that we can all agree on that. Like, you just think about things differently. You handle things differently, and that's, that's good. But we need to leverage that right now because it doesn't last, right? Like the, my car now, I mean, I just like beat it up. Like it's, it's really not that cool anymore. Five years later, it's like whatever. It's an 07 Ford Focus. Like the 2012s are out, and it's, it's not as cool anymore. And that's one thing that you can count on, okay? As students, you can count on the fact that the only thing that's constant in your life is change, right? Like, guys, maybe last year you didn't shave your face. Now you shave your face, or you try to, but it's like, why isn't hair growing? But maybe, maybe last week, even, you had a boyfriend or a girlfriend that you don't have anymore. 
Next week or next school year, you're going to be in high school. You were in junior high. Everything is constantly changing with you guys. Your relationship status has changed. Everything changes. And so what we're going to do in this series, we are going to talk about something that we can really grab a hold of. And, I, and that's the hope and the, the prayer is that over the next few weeks as we talk about taking the land, which we'll get there, but that you guys would grab a hold and say, man, my whole life is changing. We're in a new spot, but there's one thing that doesn't change. There's somebody who I can get on board with that makes everything different and makes everything meaningful. So we are actually going to be in the the Old Testament book of Joshua. Who's ever heard of Joshua? Okay, four people. Sweet. Well, we're going to be in there for a few weeks. If you have your Bible, which I hope you do, if you don't have your Bible, um, bring your Bible. We're always in it. Pull out your app. Just don't text or Facebook. Um, but pull out your Bible. We're going to be in Joshua chapter 1. We're going to be in Joshua 1. And January 22nd, 2012, some of you were in this same room, right? No paint on the walls, no stage, no speakers, no carpet. How many people were here? We call it vision night. You came here, you sat on blankets. January 22nd, 2012, we had a bunch of people in here. And here's what we did. We shared out of Joshua chapter 1. And you guys took Sharpies, and you wrote all over the ground. Like, you're literally sitting on, covered with carpet, prayers and cries to God to do something huge in this space that we meet for refuge and for hope for kids. I have a prayer right over there in that back corner for my kids to one day worship God and maybe even give their life to Christ in this building. I saw one right outside um, the, the exit door. Micah wrote, God, send people to all these different places that hope currently goes to on mission." In, in mission work. And that, that's not just stuff we did. We, we really believe that our prayers, God hears them and God answers them. So, man, you guys are literally sitting on the, on the ground or sitting in chairs that are on the ground right now full of prayers from a lot of you in the room. And so I thought it appropriate. We, we shared out of Joshua chapter 1, and that's where we're going to be tonight. We're going to actually tell the same story. So some of you guys are like, hey, I kind of remember that because about six weeks ago you heard it. But first, I have to recap. Who's ever heard of Moses? Anybody ever heard of Moses in the Bible? Moses is kind of a big deal. Like, he's kind of a big-name guy. He's like Bible celebrity, okay? Um, does anybody know where, like, there's, there's a certain um, country, land, where Moses is, like, most famous? Does anybody know where it is? Just shout out real quick. Egypt. I love it. Listening and engaged tonight. Awesome. Alex. You, buddy. You. Alex, like, yay. Um. Egypt, okay, let me, before we jump into Joshua, we have to kind of have some backstory to, to Moses and this whole story. So Moses is living his life, and even way before Moses, there is, uh, God gives this promise to the children of Israel is what we know them as, right? I mean, to Abraham originally, and it just got passed down from generation to generation, he said, hey, I'm going to lead my people, the Israelites, into the promised land. A lot of you maybe heard that. That's like, that's like Christianese kind of, the promised land. And so it, it, Moses is like, okay, God, cool. The promised land sounds great. Um, one problem, uh, we've been slaves, like literal slaves in Egypt for 400 years. I don't see any promises being fulfilled. I don't see any land that is anything good because right now I'm in Egypt and it sucks. That's what Moses is saying. But God says, no, 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 go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And Moses says, okay, Aaron, come on. So him and Aaron, this guy named Aaron, they go and they tell, hey, Mo, or Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh goes, you're crazy. I have slaves. I like having slaves. I'm lazy. I want slaves. No. 
And so it's like, okay, that didn't work. And God says, no, 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 you understand. Go tell Pharaoh, let my people go, or I'm just going to rain down on this land ten plagues. I'm talking frogs and locusts and even people dying and animals dying because I want Pharaoh to know, hey, God's serious. God's boss. So that's what Moses and Aaron do. They go and say, no, Pharaoh, you don't understand. This is going to happen to you. We're warning you right now. Let my people go. And he says, no. And so God says, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I am boss. And Pharaoh says, dude, get out of here. All these Israelites, millions of people, get the crap out of here. We don't want you anymore because your God is the real deal. And so Moses in Exodus, if you ever heard of that book of the Bible, he is exiting the, the land of Egypt on his way to the promised land. And man, a bunch of stuff goes wrong. I mean, they wander around the desert for 40 years. How many people are 40 here tonight? <laughs> a couple of the leaders, right? <laughs> like, what? Yes, Eric Coneyman, right on. Some of you guys aren't even, some of you guys are just past like a quarter of that. Some of you guys are like 11, 12 years old. Just imagine four times your life, you are literally walking around in the desert. Like, we have this big pit over here to the right. Um, like, just stay five minutes, and you'll be like, dude, 40 years in the desert is gnarly, okay? For 40 years, but God was still fulfilling his promise. God rained down bread from heaven every day. God led them with clouds and a pillar of fire. He, he said, this is where you're going. Follow me, children of Israel. And man, they messed up. We all mess up all the time. They jacked it up, and they wandered around for 40 years. So finally, they come to the place where they're almost to the promised land. And Moses can see it. Man, it's right over there. It's, it's right past the Jordan River. I, I see it. And God says, man, Moses, you've done great. But it's time to bring up your successor, a guy named Joshua, this young kid that you've been training up. And Moses is 120 years old. He's an old dude. And he says, Moses, you've done good, man, but you can't enter the promised land. Go up to this mountain and die. That's what the Bible says. So Moses tells Joshua, hey, man, here's the deal. I'm done. I'm retired. And he goes up to a mountain and he dies. And that, in a nutshell, a very small nutshell, the, the story of the first five books of the Bible. That God made a promise and there was a whole bunch of roadblocks, but that God was step by step by step fulfilling his promise. Then enters Joshua. And that's kind of where we end up right here. I just kind of recapped it for us, where we end up in Joshua chapter 1. But you've got to imagine Joshua. And this is where, man, a lot of times I know for me, the Old Testament is like, dude, the Old Testament. I've heard that's just law and that's just religion, and I don't really have a lot to do with that. I like Jesus and where the red letters start. That's kind of where I like to hang out in the Bible. But the Old Testament, hopefully you'll see in this series over the next few weeks, has so much to say to me and you today. I don't care whether you're 12 or you're 20 or where you sit, what school you go to, if you're homeschooled. Tonight and for the next few weeks, I really want us to hone in on what God has for us. We take the land. Joshua is this guy, man. You've got to imagine he's seen Moses be Moses. I don't know if you have, like, that guy or that girl at school who, like, rules the school. Like, Moses is the man. Everyone looks to Moses for advice. Everyone follows Moses. If Moses says it, that's what God said. And all of a sudden, you've got to imagine Joshua. It's me now? Like, I am the new Moses and so I love what God does, Joshua chapter 1, what we're going to read tonight, Joshua give, God gives Joshua a pep talk. How many people have ever watched Friday Night Lights? Yeah, amen, brother. I heard Ben grunt. Friday Night Lights is an amazing television show about a football team. 
a couple football teams, but the main guy is named Coach Eric Taylor. <laughs> or Tim Riggins. He's a good he's a character as well. Eric Taylor is, I mean, this guy, clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. I mean, this guy gives pep talks among pep talks. This pep talk from God is like thousand times Eric Taylor's pep talk in Joshua chapter 1. Because you've got to imagine, Joshua's dealing with a bunch of stuff that you and I deal with all the time. Joshua's dealing with insecurity. Man, I can't do what, what Moses did. He's dealing with identity issues. Like, who am I? He's dealing with struggle after struggle after struggle because all of a sudden, he's the guy. Sweet, here I am leading these millions of people, and I'm supposed to go into the promised land. And God says, listen, I've made a promise, and I'm going to fulfill my promise. And he gives this pep talk that I think really speaks to our lives. So if you have your Bible, follow along. If not, it's going to be on the screen. It's Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Here's what it says. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, we just talked about that, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, that's his mom's name, weird name, Nun, Moses' assistant. He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, that's the river, you and all this people into the land that I am giving to you. It started with Abraham hundreds of years ago, and and now God's saying to Joshua, no, no, I'm serious. I'm still fulfilling my promise because what I say happens, and it's still happening. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses, from the children, um, from the... From the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. He's basically saying, as far as your feet can touch and you can see, I've given that land to you and, and my people. The land of all the Hittites, no, and no great sea toward the going down of the, of the sun shall be your territory. Basically, like I said, everything you can see, Joshua. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Here's where it gets good, and here's what I believe God is saying to us tonight as well as Joshua a few thousand years ago. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous, being careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. For us, when we read that, that's the Bible. Basically, be strong and courageous, because I've given you my words, and I want you to follow those words. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Verse 8, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate it on it day and night. Again, he's talking about the scriptures. So that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. That's a pretty big deal for us tonight. Like God says, when you read his word and you meditate on it day and night, then you have success. It's very different than the stuff you're hearing all the time. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So you got to imagine you're Joshua. Do you have an identity issues? You're insecure. And all of a sudden God starts talking and saying, no, 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 listen. Look at some of the things he says. I am with you wherever you go. Be strong and courageous. Be strong and very courageous. I am with you wherever you go. It's like big God words to Joshua. So then Joshua, he's fired up. Verses 1 through 9 are God's pep talk, and then he goes out to the team, and he says, here's what God just said. We're on a mission here. He says in verse 10, and Joshua commanded the officers of the people, pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, prepare your provisions. From three days you are going to pass over the Jordan to go to take possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving you to possess. Like, dude, that's a cool story about Joshua. What does it have to do with me? 
Joshua hears from God a promise, the same promise that his people have been hearing about for hundreds of years. And God says, you don't understand, I'm still the same God, it's still the same promise, and I know you're not who you think you are, but I'm with you and in you, and I want you to go and take the land. And so he goes to his people and says, okay, guys, prepare it. We're going in, we're going across over the Jordan River, and we're going to take the land. And we know from, from reading the Bible, man, there's a whole bunch of stuff they still got to deal with. They still got to deal with some desert. They still got to deal with this big, huge, fortified city called Jericho. Maybe some of you have heard that. The big, awesome veggie tales about it, right? Like, the, Jericho is this huge thing with, like, these evil peas that are on the top, okay? And... and that's like a big deal. Like, okay, God told us to take the land, except when we walk, we're just going to run into this huge fortified city, probably the most fortified city in existence at that time. So God, I, I got what you're saying, but there's a whole bunch of obstacles. Maybe you kind of see where I'm going with this tonight, but some of you guys are walking right now, and there's a whole bunch of obstacles. Maybe for you, it is insecurity. Maybe for you, it's identity issues. Maybe for you, it's lust. Maybe for you, it's your parents are always fighting, and you're in the middle of it. Maybe for you, there's just a whole bunch of junk that's kind of raining down on you, and you're like, dude, there's some spiritual warfare going on in my life, and how am I supposed to, 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 to take God up on his promise? I don't even know what God's promise is. It's hard to walk by faith toward the God who's supposedly good when you don't know what he said to you. So tonight, and in this series, man, I want to look at what does God have to say to you What's his be strong and courageous for you tonight? So we're going to kind of give a principle for this whole series that, man, if you don't remember anything from tonight, remember this, because this is a big deal. We're going to say it every week. It's your first blank, I believe, on your paper. Here's the series principle. Remember the word and take the land. Remember the word and take the land. God has given promises. You and I have to remember those promises and take God up on what he said. We do that. That's how we operate. For instance, who won? Did uh, Keith and Austin, they won the office tennis? Yeah, okay. Here's what they knew. If I take this little clipboard and I pass it back and forth and I put it into that little trash can, um, I'm getting a Chipotle gift card. I remembered as I'm doing this, I remember the word of Mark, and I know I'm getting that Chipotle gift card. That's just how it works. They said they'd do it, and I'm going to get it. I had a business when I was like 15, um, and I was like, hey, people in all of my community, I, I, like, I can like, do a great job at hosing a pool deck. Like, I just do it awesome. So um, if you want to let me grab your hose and use your water, I will hose your pool deck, but it's going to cost you 10 bucks. And so people are like, yeah, absolutely. We will give you $10 if you hose our pool deck off. Sweet. And so I'd walk it. There's way before iPods. So I'm just like singing to myself. And I'm doing the thing. But I knew I'm not just doing this for no reason. I know when I'm done with the pool and I run the hose up, I'm getting 10 bucks. I remembered the word and I said, I'm taking your $10. That's how we operate. You say you'll do something. I'm trusting you to do it. But for whatever reason, either we don't know what God said or we just don't think that way when it comes to God. What has God said to you? And how come you're not taking him up on his promise? That's what we're asking of everybody in this series. 
me. I'm serious, man. This series, as I've been preparing for this, it's like speaking to me, and I hope it's speaking to our leaders, and I hope it's speaking to our students, because we have to understand this big thing. We have to remember the land, remember the word, and take the land. Because the truth tonight is your next blank is that there's an amazing, awesome, big, gigantic truth that you and I can't get away from. It's this. Jesus Christ is who he says he is. And he is going to do what he said he's going to do. We don't have to think about it. We don't have to make sure, you know, we pray right. We don't have to make sure we do our little part to make sure God's promise comes true. No, God's saying, no, 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 you understand. I, I don't need you, but I want to use you. And I am Jesus Christ. I, what I say happens. He's exactly who he says he is, and he wants to fulfill the promises that he's already promised. So what is the land? Take the land. What is the land? I don't know what the land is for you. Maybe taking God up on his promises is finally defeating that sin in your life because he's nailed it to the cross. Maybe taking the land for you is finally sharing with your best friends who don't come to refuge, who aren't plugged in at church at all. Hey, I I have a Savior and his name is Jesus. Maybe taking the land for you Looks like you sharing Christ with your younger sibling or your older sibling. There's two things to recognize as we take the land tonight. And then we're going to be finished. We're going to worship some more. And we're going to do something with these flags. First thing to recognize about taking the land tonight is to recognize the land that God has given you. That's what I was just saying. First thing is recognize the land that God has given you. You have to do some work in your heart and in your head to figure out what is the land that God has given me. Joshua recognized the land. He knew it's right over the Jordan River. It's this thing that I've heard about my whole life. It's called the promised land. That's the land God's given me. And God says, be strong and courageous. I'm with you, Joshua. He comes out of that pep talk with God, fired up. Dude, I'm taking that land. People, let's go. In three days, we're marching forward. We're going to take the land. And he's given you and I promises, and there's a bunch of them, and I want you to read your Bible and be in the Word and figure out those promises and let God speak to you or talk to your leader about what's the promises. But tonight we're going to look at two, two really big promises that I think are good for us tonight. The first one is this. It's in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus Christ is having a sit-down with his disciples. He walked with 12 guys that are called the 12 disciples primarily. And there's, he's starting to do ministry all over the place, and people are starting to get mad. People are starting to say, dude, this guy is really kind of infringing on our comfort zone. So he's sitting down with his disciples, having to sit down and saying, okay, who's everyone saying that I am? People are saying, dude, there, there's so many rumors out there. People are saying you're Elijah. People are saying you are the prophet. People are saying you're the Messiah, but some people don't believe you're the Messiah. Some people are saying you're John the Baptist. Dude, there's a whole bunch of stuff out there in the rumor mill with who you are. And he goes, okay, okay. That's cool. The Facebook feeds of that day are saying a bunch of stuff about Jesus. But I want to know, 12 disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter stands up. He was always like the first to talk. I don't know if that's you. That is me. Sometimes I have way too big of a mouth. And that's Peter. Peter stands up and says, Jesus, you're the Christ. You're the one I've heard about my whole life. You're the Messiah. You're the Son of God. And Jesus makes this promise that is just as true today and just as applicable today as it was with Peter right there, wherever they were, sitting on the rock talking about this. He said, upon that confession, Peter, 
I will build my church. You're right, I am who I say I am. And I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do. I will build my church off that truth. Not, not like we just build a church. We built a building. The church is the people that are sitting in the seats right now and the people that filled the auditorium this weekend and the people that worship Jesus all over the city and all over this world. The church is people, not a building. He says, on that confession, I'm going to build my church, Peter. And I love this part. First time I read this, I was like, dude, the Bible cussed. That's so weird. You got to imagine, I was 17, I had no idea what I was doing. And I was like, that is crazy. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That means the stuff you're dealing with, the junk you're walking in, the spiritual warfare you're facing, the parents fighting all the time and catching you in the middle of it, that's just a bunch of arrows from the enemy. He's saying, no, the promise for you today is I'm going to build my church. And the gates of hell, the junk in your life that you can't seem to get over right now, is not going to touch it. 2,000 years ago, I'm going to build my church. And we're sitting here today because he said that statement. He's still building his church. And the promise is that's true, and he wants to use you. So what does that look like for you? What's the land that God wants you to take? Is it your lunch table? Is it your ball team? Is it your family? Is it your best friend? Is it the sin in your life that he wants to conquer because he already did and he wants you to realize it? To God, I know my best friend doesn't know you. Like I talk to him all the time about everything under the sun, but never you. Jesus is saying, remember the word and take the land. God, man, I'm the best ball player out there, dude. I'm telling you, I'm, like, seriously the best baseball player. And I'm not saying that, like, arrogantly, but, like, you've given me a talent in baseball. But one thing that you haven't given me is that I feel like you haven't given me the boldness to proclaim that. He said, no, no, I did. My promise is that I'm going to build my church, and I want to use you. Remember the word and take the land. March forward and understand that I've already, you don't have to wait for me to say go. I've already said go. second promise is found in Matthew chapter 28. And you've heard this if you've been in church world long. It's the Great Commission. Here's what he says in Matthew chapter 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples. Like, he's about to leave the planet. And he says, go right now. This is my last charge to you. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to reserve all that I've commanded. And behold, I am with you wherever you go. Does that sound familiar? Joshua, be strong and courageous. I'm with you wherever you go. Disciples, students right now, Megan, Sarah, Dustin, Kara, Sierra, Anthony, whatever your name is, I am with you. I want to build my church. I want to use you, and nothing can stop it except your unbelief. And even that can't stop it. That'll just stop you from being a part of it. Where has God placed you? you? Say, man, what's my land? Just think about your life. What sports team are you on? What lunch table do you sit at? What school do you go to? What parents do you have? What siblings do you have? Where are you in life? It's not a coincidence that you're wrapped up in all the relationships you're wrapped up in. 
We've got to recognize the land God's given us, and I can't tell you what that is. I can just throw out a bunch of options, and you've got to do the heart and head work to know, okay, what, what does God have for me? And we're going to get there in a little bit, but here's the second thing to recognize. Recognize the kind of people that God uses to take the land. I love this part. God, I love this part. Recognize the kind of people that God uses to take the land. When I first started reading the Bible at 17, I was messed up, man. I had an addiction, a hold in my life for like three years into my rock with Jesus. I wasn't taking the land in that area of my life. And I read the Bible and I realized, dude, I'm messed up. And even now, man, I struggle with things. I have bad days just like you do. And when you read the Bible, it would be a bummer if you looked and you're like, dude, that dude's perfect, that dude's perfect, that girl's perfect. That. Man, they all make right choices. I can't read that. And that's what a lot of you think. But the truth is, you open the Bible and you see God uses a bunch of screw-ups all over the place. Right after this story in Joshua, they go to start taking the land in the city called Jericho, and, they, and God uses a prostitute to get them to take the land. You know what a prostitute is? Ask your mom. Just saying. Now I'll tell you what it is. A prostitute sells her body for money. That's like step one of God's redemptive story of them taking the land is, hey, knock on a prostitute's door. What? That's in the Bible? Yeah, God uses some jacked up people. He uses murderers in the Bible. Moses was a murderer. He uses cowards, people that couldn't stand up themselves, had no backbone, like Peter. All the guys that we've talked about. God uses them in his story. So don't let the enemy tonight, some of you are sitting right now and saying, man, that's cool, Scott. God wants to use me, whatever. You don't know what I did last night. You don't know what me and my friends are a part of. You don't know the thoughts that I think. You don't know the stuff that I'm walking in. You don't know the addictions and the things that I struggle with. You're right, I don't know that. But I know all over the scripture, God uses a bunch of nobodies to do something big. He uses a bunch of nobodies and, 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 and murderers and prostitutes and people who sinned all over the place. And he said, yeah, I could use perfect people, but I'd have to make people perfect first, and then I could use them. Instead, I'll just live my life through a bunch of imperfect people. And I know you're in a mess, but man, he takes people, nobodies who are in a mess, and he puts them on mission. And he says, go, I'm in you, I'm through you, and I want to take the land through you and in you, and I want to use you. We miss that, man. Some of you right now are like, dude, I'll become a Christian when I fix my life. You're never going to become a Christian that way. You throw your jacked up life at Jesus' feet like I did at 17 and say, God, take it because I can't do this. He says, I know you can't do it. You were never designed to do it. I want to walk with you. Be strong and courageous. I'm with you wherever you go. I'm so glad you got that. Man, you guys can go ahead and load. As we talk about remembering the word and taking the land, I want you guys to grab these flags. How many people have ever studied, like, exploration or the age of exploration? Guys like Magellan and, you know, Columbus, right? You guys are like, what? Did, Did school teach this? Okay, sweet. Uh, this is what they used to do back in the day. Try to refrain from, like, waving them all over the place. I know it's, like, really hard. I'm doing it right here. 
in the age of exploration, when people would take the land, they would set sail and they would say, we're going to go try to find what's going on in this flat earth. That's what they thought at the time. We're going to try to go find out what's going on here. And then when they hit rock bottom, they're like, oh, wow, we're on land. Here's what they would do. They would walk up and they would grab a flag and they would stick it in the ground. And they'd say, that's me. That's France. That's Portugal. That's Spain. We did that. Just so everyone knows, that's me. And I'm staking my promise. I'm staking my claim. I'm taking this land. Anyone know the guy's name who landed on the moon? Neil Armstrong, amen. That's someone's going to say Buzz Lightyear. I'm like, dude, what are people being taught? Neil Armstrong. What did he do when he landed on the moon? One small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. Boom, American flag. We're standing on the promise and the thing that says, hey, world, I am staking this out. Here's what we're going to do. There's a whole bunch of Sharpies right here. And during this response song, I know it's different because we got lights on. We don't only have that. Here's what I want you to do and be bold in doing. I don't want you to come up here just to write something down and put it in the sand. But I think maybe one of you or two of you or ten of you, as I'm talking tonight, you're like, dude, he's talking to me. I got my baseball team. I got my lunch table. I got my family. And there's some people in your life that God's saying, I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. I've given you the promise. Go. And we've never just put that in the ground and said, that's my land that I'm taking. And I want some of you guys to do that tonight. Look, sticking it in this, this sand here is not going to make anything holy happen. But it's you and your own being accountable to yourself saying, you know what, I'm serious about this, man. I, I want to reach my lunch table for Christ. I, I don't know how to, spe- I don't know how to like, preach the gospel, but dude, I'll let Scott and Micah and the other guys do it. I'm bringing that person to refuge next week. Because listen, no bones about it. Every week we're talking about the gospel here. That's all we got. Jesus. That's all we got. We can try to put some cool lights up here. And we can, I'm glad it's like this. All we got is Jesus. But he's radically changed me and he's radically changed everyone on this stage and a lot of you in the room. And we're saying, you know what? That needs to happen at my lunch table. That needs to happen at my baseball team or my brother and sister. So before you get up and go, I want you to have that person in your mind. And all you're going to do, you're not going to talk to anybody, you're not going to make a big scene about it, but you're going to come and you're going to write that person down and you're going to say, okay, it's, it's, you know, Lisa. It's, it's the basic Wolves softball team. Dude, that's it. Amen. It's my basketball team. It's the Smith life. The God's saying, I'm with you. Be strong and courageous. I've given you the promise. Go. And we've never just put that in the ground and said, that's my land that I'm 